Hi everyone, welcome to Godshot's Mental Health Podcast with Darlene Spurlaza and myself, Lydia Cornell. And today we have an exciting guest, my good friend, Dr. Linda DeRay, PhD. She's an accomplished psychotherapist, a forensic mental health expert, and the author of Surviving the Toxic Workplace, Protect Yourself Against the Coworkers, Bosses, and Work Environments That Poison Your Day. She's on the board of directors of Children Mending Hearts Foundation, which was founded by George Clooney's business partner, Grant Heslov, and his wife, Lisa. She has been on 60 Minutes, Oprah, Today Show, CBS, NBC, and dozens of national news programs, both audio and video, and talk radio, and she had her own family therapy talk show. She is also a business, a business consultant for Fortune 500 companies and small businesses as well. She's also a filmmaker, writer, and director, and her show was called Ask the Family Therapist. Welcome, Linda DeRay, Dr. DeRay. I'm so happy to be here, Lydia. This is so much fun. So happy to see you. Darlene? Hey, Darlene. Hi, Linda. How are you? It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I've heard so many good things about you. As I have you, and I'm really excited. When I saw the, the title of your book pop up, I thought, now that in itself is a God shot for me. So I can't wait to dive into this topic and and pick your brain and hear everything you have to say. I'm excited. Well, the book was written because I had I had worked in so many toxic workplaces, which I'm going to share with you today. <laughs> Can't awesome. wait to hear about it. Yes, for sure. And I've been spending, I, I have spent the past nine and a half years in an organization that I just dearly loved. And there was a recent change in management and I, I don't even know what ends up right now. So, you know, the toxicity, the change, all of that. So I'm real anxious to hear what you have to say about that type of environment and what you do, what somebody does whenever they encounter that. Well, um, let me just tell you a little bit about the book. Um, I have been sexually harassed. I can't tell you how many times. Uh, Happened in college, happened in graduate school. I had a professor flunk me in my first semester because I wouldn't have sex with him. And uh, I asked to see the final exam because I knew I didn't fail the final exam. And I had B's and A's on quizzes, and midterms and tests. He wouldn't let me see it. This is 1973, uh, December of 1973, end of the first semester. And if you think I could have gone to the president of the school or head of HR or whatever to tell them what had happened, that would never have happened. I would have been asked to leave the school. They would have circled the wagons. And so I flunked the class. I had to take the class over again. And I want you to know 40 years later or more, almost 40 years, um, I met with one of the uh, heads of the school. Uh, this was several months ago when I came out to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And um, he promised that he would take the flunk cla- the flunked class off my transcript. <laughs> and it never did it. Mm-hmm. And he was the one that I took the class with to make up for the credit loss. Okay, so he knew, why would I, one of their best students, flunk a class? But 
in those days, you couldn't just say, well, he was sexually harassing me and he failed me because I wouldn't have sex with him. Yeah, that, that wouldn't have flown in 1973. So um, I asked politely, I wrote a long letter. I gave him a copy of the letter and it's still not off my transcript. So wow. um, I'll tell you another one of my other favorite stories. Um, when I was in graduate school, I had three part-time jobs. And one of the jobs was working with felons and guys who were on probation or parole from uh, the state of California. And, uh, you know, needless to say, it was challenging, but I had scholarships, I had loans, I had bank loans, FISA loans, work study, I worked in the library, all sorts of things to help me finance my education. I had a car loan with the California Feminist Federal Credit Union because I had just bought a brand new car because I was teaching first grade back in New Jersey. So uh, the car acted as my collateral. So um, this guy took me out to lunch at the very elegant, elegant restaurant, House of Pies. and proceeded to tell me why we should have an affair. He was separated from his wife. And um, in those days, and I've always been an assertive person, but with things like that, since I needed the job, oh, and by the way, I was being paid $3 an hour and they promised me a raise to $4 an hour. So in those days, I was like, well, you're my boss and I don't think it's a good idea. And, you know, we can just be friends and we're both from New York. And why don't we just keep it as a friendship? Been there. (laughs) So he gave me the absolute worst felons you could ever imagine with Mm. a rap sheet this long, you know, and made me see them at night in a building in downtown San Diego with no security, no cameras, no guard, nothing, okay? And it was like he was setting me up to get raped. But the good news is because I was a down-to-earth person and put my cards on the table with these guys, um, they loved me. They referred people to me and they stayed out of jail. Because I said, look, here are the rules. You see me once a week, you see your probation officer every week, you get a job, you pay your child support, you're subjected to random drug tests. And if you're not doing that, you're gonna be back in the slammer wearing a dress being somebody's girlfriend. Oh my God. (laughs) So I'm a very straight shooter and they loved it. And they recommended all their friends who were just getting out of jail or prison to come and see me because I gave them a a real strong kick where they needed it and they stayed clean and sober and nobody I was counseling ever went back to prison or jail. Wow. You know, Linda, I have to say something really, really quickly about what you just shared because obviously I never, I never got the raise to $4 an hour, (laughs) but well, but you know what, look where you're at today. And you know what just, just came into my brain when you were saying that. I thought of Joseph in the Bible and how his brothers were jealous of him and how he got thrown and they thought he died. And, 
and you know that that story and how he goes on to be the second in command in Egypt and I'm looking at you and I'm thinking all of the things that that man did to you trying to destroy you because you wouldn't give him what he wanted and yet you ended up helping so many people that wouldn't have gotten that help that were underprivileged people right like to me that is just that fits right in with our show that is such a god shot it's amazing you know let me explain one thing interesting I come from a completely secular version of I believe God is love and Darlene is much more Bible based and so we're we're trying to merge the two people who don't I discovered this thing called this power that was so mystical in my life that kind of lifted me out of a radioactive drunken despair where I almost committed suicide and I go what is that and I'm trying to I can prove it through science now because I, I follow Einstein and it's, it's the love, it's the unified field, it's love. Basically, it's the action of love. And so Darlene comes from a point of view where she's much more Bible-based, which is so cool to me because we want to merge everyone to understand the goodness in life right. is an actual force that you can tap into. And it's your an energy. energy. It's, it's an energy. energy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you have overcome so much, and yet you have this really level-headed kind of stance in life. And by the way, when you say feminist, I love it because from the 70s, Women weren't allowed to own their own bank account or have their own credit cards till 1970. Can you sure. believe that? So, we, right. you know, it was the era when we were trying to get our liberation. Right. At least have our own equality as far as owning a, having a bank account. So, you know, that word is a, is a hot button word, but it's important for us to have that kind of equality. Well, I don't, you know, if you study world religions, Every world religion has has some of the exact same belief systems. And one of them is you reap what you sow. You get back what you put out. People call it karma in Buddhism or Hinduism. Mm-hmm. It's the same dynamic. You cannot treat people badly or do illegal, unethical, immoral things without it coming back at you in this life or the next life or the life after that. It will just happen that way. And that is a shared belief with every single world religion. So conversely, when you do good for others, it's almost a circle of, when you open doors for others, doors are opened for you. There's a beautiful, exchange of of love and generosity. Darlene, you know, uh, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. That's correct. Same principle. Absolutely. Well, and I have a lot of God shots to share with you. Oh, I can't wait to hear them. But I want to just stay on this topic for one minute, because I have a question. Yes. The question is this. So when, okay, for example, when we do something, that is not good or not nice or harms one of our brothers or sisters, right? And people become fearful after they've done that because what goes around comes around, right? Is there a way to stop that cycle? So if you've done something that's wrong towards somebody, do you ask for forgiveness? Can Absolutely. That... Okay. Absolutely. And let's say the person isn't, no, isn't, on the planet anymore. Pray to their soul. Pray to God, Jesus, Buddha, Allah, Krishna, George Lucas, the force. 
I don't care what you call it, but you, you should ask for forgiveness. And kneeling in, in prayer, and most world religions have, have some kind of supplication where you accept humility and you say, I'm sorry, and I, I did something I, I really feel badly about, and you ask for forgiveness. And you need to humble yourself and get out of your ego and apologize to the person if they're still alive, write them a letter, tell them that you're sorry. I can't begin to tell you the power of that. And one of the things that I do as a therapist is I have people do that, write a letter. And if the person has passed over, just write them a letter. Of course, you can't send it to them because you may not be able to get email in the afterlife. Right. But you can pick up the energy force and souls are real. And I've had all sorts of visits in my life from my father who passed over my mother, my grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, you know, friends who have passed over very, very clear energy where you know it's there and it's them. Right. And so writing letters and asking for forgiveness is a very powerful tool. I also do the gestalt two chair technique where you put the person that you have harmed in one chair and you sit there and you tell them how sorry you are and you verbally, you know, I've had people sobbing, sobbing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's very cathartic. And tears of sorrow are chemically different than tears of joy because tears of sorrow contain depressants in the oh. neurotransmitters. Wow. And so when you cry, you're, it's like flushing out your system through your tear ducts. So I always wow. tell my clients, cry. Just, you know, if you're at work, go, to, go into the restroom, go for a walk, go sit in your car, whatever you need to do. But get it out of your system. It's very crucial. I say one thing, what you just said about the afterlife. It's so strange. I was pouring my heart out to my baby brother who died at the age of 38. And I, I just started talking to him two years ago. He died in 1995. And I said, oh, I wish I'd helped you more. I'm so sorry I didn't help you more. When you came to California, I should have helped you get a job in show business. And, and I just started pouring my heart out. And then this, the doorbell rang. It was midnight. There's nobody there. It was completely dark and silent. It was the alarm on the door and the door hadn't opened. I mean, it was completely dead and silent in the house. And I felt his spirit just sort of acknowledging. I mean, I, this was so clear and so bizarre. Yep. And it was just like this joyous feeling that he hurt me, you know? Yeah, good. That's exactly right. I, I woke up one morning when I was living in La Jolla and I walked into the living room and there was a presence, an absolute presence of a friend of mine. And it just felt dark and heavy. And in three seconds, the phone rang and somebody told me she had just passed over. Oh, wow. And I knew she was an alcoholic and I knew she didn't want to get sober. And I helped her, you know, with advice to go to AA and find a good meeting and get a sponsor and all that. She never did it. Oh, wow. And I think she was like coming to me in her spiritual form to tell me I should listen to you. <laughs> yeah. And that's really interesting. You know what? I had an experience this weekend. I just have to share this brief story. 
So Lydia knows this, you're new, Linda, but my son and I have not spoken in a year. I, I'm blocked from him, his family, everything. It's been very painful, but part of me was kind of like, you know, I don't know what he's going through, but I need to stand back, right? Or at least that's what I'm being told. Right. I went to see Top Gun Maverick Sunday evening, and he watched that movie, Top Gun, from the time he was in seventh grade till the time he entered the Air Force Academy, right? That's to all be a pilot, to be a Top Gun pilot. That's, that's exactly right. Well, his so sophomore year, they told him, that it was not going to be a realized dream because his vision wasn't 2020. So he left the academy. He just left. Well, I became very angry that he would leave an academy. I, and so there was a lot of friction, right? So there's been a lot of friction. That night when that movie was ending, the last 45 seconds, it dawned on me. I started sobbing. And everybody in the theater probably thought it was because I liked Tom Cruise so much. <laughs> but it was because I recognized in that moment of time that my son had so much pain in his loss and I didn't recognize it when he was a child and he needed me. And I didn't even know to acknowledge his pain. I just was angry because he didn't do what I thought he should do. Right. Ego thing again. And it all came crashing down that him not talking to me, I have a really big role to play in this. And it, you know, it's how, in my opinion, that the higher power, God, the universe, whatever you want to call that, will help you see things in your life if you're looking and you want the answers. Exactly. Absolutely. You know, you know so. look at alternatives. He could have gotten LASIK surgery and corrected his vision. Okay. He could have maybe done eye exercises if he didn't want to do surgery. He could have had another job tangential to being a pilot that would have been helpful where he could have gotten glasses or something like that. So he could have been tangentially affiliated with the Air Force. He did not have to quit. That was his choice and maybe a little impetuous and impulsive when he didn't really sit down and think of what the options were. Correct. Correct. But you know what, when you're in the midst of, and, and, and I'm sure that when you're talking about your book and the toxic workplace, when you're in the midst of trials or tribulations or toxicity or chaos, it's really hard, at least for me, to be still and try to just allow the pieces to fall into place. You know, I just go crazy and try to figure it out. And then I just mess it up, you know? Well, here's something that, that I've learned through God giving me difficult lessons. I had a car accident about um, two and a half years ago and somebody, and he was an attorney because we had to go make a police report. He's texting and mm. then lied that he wasn't texting, but he almost hit a woman while we were turning left on a corner. I slammed on my brakes. My car engine hit the back of his car and the car was totaled. And immediately I said to myself, as I slammed on the brakes, I turn it over to God. I turn it over to God. Just like that. I mean, the car was like two payments from being paid in full. Mm. Okay. Well, as a result, I got a 2019 Ionic. I've always wanted to get a hybrid or an electric car. This one was, they wanted to get it off the lot because it was 2020. 
It had all the bells and whistles. It's a hybrid. I tank up once a month. It gets 55 miles to the gallon. And I remember just doing that to say, this is disaster, but I know there's a reason for it. Silver lining. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to see that. More people can get into that. I think it, it gets them out of guilt trips, shame trips. I'm a terrible person. I screwed up. I'm so stupid. And all this self, you know, negative talk and just say there's a reason for everything. Uh, Speaking about the book, I got so many rejections Mm. for trying to get my book published. And I mean, by the biggies, Random House, Mm. uh, HarperCollins, all the biggies. And I just kept praying. And I just said, I know you're guiding me. These are not the people you want me to work with. Show me the way. I know that the perfect publisher is out there and will be delivered in God's timing. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, within weeks, I got a call from my agent, a person in her office who was one of her sub-agents, had a good friend at McGraw-Hill, and he loved this book and picked it up in a minute. And here's another God shot to this story. I'm at a friend's house in Palm Springs at the time, and she was having trouble with her internet. And the agent called and said, you got to send this to McGraw-Hill like immediately, you got to send it to them, da 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 I raced down to the library. They were just about to close. This kind woman kept the library open. I sat down with my little thumb drive and sent them all the you know, like the book proposal and my CV and all the recommendation letters I've had, sent it to them. They got it. She kept it open just for me. And literally the next morning they bought the book. Wow. I, I just love stories like that. Awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. To be. And you know what? Here's, here's another thing. I'm going to jump because I told Lydia I was fascinated reading about you, um, just your, your bio and what you've done. So I'm assuming, really assuming that it's called the, the miracle network. Children's mending hearts, children's mending hearts, Children okay. mending hearts. And it was founded by Lisa and Grant Hesloff. And Grant is the writing, directing and producing partner of a guy named George. Clinton. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about that. I'm sure you have seen God shots there. Oh, God, absolutely. So this is how that came about. I was in Los Angeles, and I got a call from a friend of mine whose uh, name is Carol Connors. Well, Carol Connors used to be in the teddy bears and was the one girl with the two guys. And you probably remember the song, to know, know, know him is to love, love, love. Yeah. Oh. She wrote the lyrics to a small tune named Rocky. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, just like that. So Carol calls me up and she says, I have to go to a film premiere tonight because it's, uh, you have to do screenings if you're uh, applying your film 
to win an Oscar when you're submitting it, whether it's a short, a feature, whatever. So I said, I'd love to go. So we went to uh, one of the hotels on uh, Sunset and they had a screening room all set up and it was great. And the film was called Served Like a Girl, which was Lisa Heslov's film about women in the military and what they have had to put up with, not getting promotions, getting sexually harassed, getting raped, just horror stories that have happened to women in the military. So it was a fascinating film and uh, they had a big party afterwards. So I always bring my cards with me. So I have a, a psychotherapy card. I have my book card. I have my showbiz card. <laughs> I, have my, I have my sports performance coaching card because I work with guys in the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball. I work with the Orlando Magic here in Orlando. Oh, wow. So I have a, another one that's a media consultant card because I do press releases for people and I do press releases for my own show, Linda DeRay Interviews on DG Radio. So uh, I'm standing there and I asked the waiter if he had any vegetarian uh, hors d'oeuvres. So he comes back and I'm just shoveling them into my mouth because I hadn't eaten dinner. And all of a sudden this woman comes over to me and she said, you know, I've been watching you. You have such incredible energy. Who are you? What's your name? So I take out the shrink card and I take out the showbiz card. She holds them up like this and she says, wow, we've been looking for somebody like you for our board of, of directors. Would you wow. be interested? Just like that. Wow. And wow. This was, she was the executive director and still is of Children Mending Hearts. So she said, you know, tell me a little bit about you. And I did. And, you know, I said, uh, if you have an intern program, I would love to, you know, uh, help you with the interns because I've been doing intern supervision for 40 some odd years or whatever. And this was like five, five or six years ago. And that's how I got on the board of directors. I met with her the next day at the Children Mending Hearts offices on Ventura Boulevard. And then she put it to a vote uh, the uh, following week, I think it was to the board. It was unanimous. I was thrilled. And that's how I got on the board of directors. So and it's fabulous. Awesome. It's a wonderful organization. Well, explain what they do. They foster empathy, caring, and children communicating in a, how, what do they do actually? Exactly. Well, before COVID hit, we would go and I went with them when I was in Los Angeles. I went with them to schools uh, to do empathy and compassion training. And they would go into different classrooms and they would have little exercises like, um, do you remember when somebody hurt your feelings and how did that feel? And it was just, it was, it's a wonderful program, a wonderful program. Okay, stop they, bullying and stuff like that. Exactly. And yeah. they worked with teachers and, you know, it didn't cost the school system any money. So the schools were very active in wanting them to be there it was wonderful so it spread to all 50 states i believe yeah. and the teachers do these exercises with their own class uh, classes 
And because it's very easy to do. So then when COVID hit, they, you couldn't go into classes because it was on video and everything was online. So they sort of switched um, direction and they bought uh, a building in Jordan Downs in uh, the Watts Inglewood oh. area. And so uh, I'm supervising interns who are there and they have so many wonderful activities for kids. They do a sports program, they do basketball, they have a basketball court, they have uh, soccer wow. uh, games, everything. And they have learning programs online to help tutor kids who have difficulty with math or reading or language skills or whatever. They have art projects, they have sculpture, collage, paper, painting, watercolors. It's boys. It's it fabulous. Boys need a lot of this kind of communication training to stop joining gangs, you know, That's and exactly a lot of right. like understanding each other, you know, because That's they right. don't, a lot of them are I mean, the poorest of the poor don't have after school programs either. That's right. But thing. this is what this, this uh, entails now. And because it's the summertime, the, they open at like nine o'clock in the morning and you know, some kids get there earlier than nine or the staff rather. That's great. And then they, you know, they close about five and it's, it's a combination of great childcare. It's in the complex where the apartments are. So the parent, and there's a parent program and parent education and oh, it's fabulous. Yeah. It's absolutely fabulous. So I love, I love the work I do with them. It's wonderful. Right. And that's just, you know, some of the things they do. And you said this is national? Well, they're in, they're in, I think they're in 50 states. I may be wrong on that. Um, but the, the program is, it's a, you know, very clear step-by-step -step program on how to teach learning and what to say. And every lesson is different. And, you know, it takes about anywhere from a half an hour to an hour of school time. And That's that's incredible, Linda. That that is just such service. It's well, being a former first grade teacher in yeah. public schools, and I've also taught private schools. This kind of program is exactly what people need and yeah. what the kids need. Because the more we understand each other, and the more we practice compassion and active listening and sharing ourselves and saying empathetic things, the closer you can bond with people and have great friendships yeah. and that means bullying goes down and violence goes down and people cooperate and they listen to each other so it's it's a fabulous program wow that sounds well let me ask you this because you know when my father was working it was like he would stay with one company for 30 40 50 years get the gold watch when you retired and life is so different now it's so different with so many opportunities and so many different jobs that you can have. And I have some people come to me that say sometimes it feels um, a little chaotic to them because you can be a nurse and then you can be an instructor and then you can be an EMT and you can still stay within the vein of that. You can now go into the legal field and be a legal nurse consultant. There's just so many opportunities. And it sounds like you have lived a rich life full of many different opportunities. And so when you look at that now, if somebody's asking you that question, 
How do you say God used all of those pieces that might have seemed broken or fragmented to make a whole? How did that work? Oh, I, shall I go into the God stories now? Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. So I was president of my dorm when I was in college. And this was not Pacific Oaks. This is where I was in a four-year college. And uh, I had gotten scholarships and it was wonderful. So it was the last meeting of freshman Senate. And the dorm representative who was the rep to freshman Senate. She couldn't go. The treasurer couldn't go. The secretary couldn't go. The vice president couldn't go. And this was an all-girls dorm. So guess who had to go? And I found this out at 10 minutes to seven and it started at seven. So I ran over to the law library where the meeting was because I had to cast my vote because the ongoing, the outgoing president was ceding to the, who we were going to elect that night. So the outgoing president got up there and made a speech and it was absolutely love at first sight. It was like electricity. It was all the things when you see in movies where the thunderbolt hits, that's the way it was. I was madly in love with this guy and all I knew was that he was the outgoing president. I had never even met him before because I never went to freshman Senate meetings. So I went up to him afterwards, I introduced myself. And of course, as luck would have it, it's not luck, it's God. One of my dear friends who became my next roommate uh, she was across the hall from me, was dating one of his fraternity brothers. And he was also president of his uh, pledge class. Okay. So word got to him that this woman that he met at the freshman Senate meeting was <laughs> in love with him. And they were teasing him and just making a big joke out of it. Well, as God would have it, he put me in the same art history class with him just to seal it. You know, it's like, now you can't get away from each other because you're in the same class. <laughs> so he came up to me because he heard that I was in his art history class because, you know, we had our class assignments. So he came up to me and this was, I think, a Wednesday and we went out Friday and we were pinned in three months. Wow. So wow. needless to say, he, you know, did not prove to be the man of my dreams. He um, had been dropping acid, which I had begged him not to do. Oh my God. And um, um, we were watching cartoons on a Saturday morning. We loved Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoons. Yeah, so I went up to go to the bathroom and all of a sudden I hear from the living room, shut the door shut that door <laughs> a couple of ex expletives there which i will not say all of a sudden he gets up this is an old victorian house in highland park california right off of la loma and avenue 64. it's a victorian house with like 200 coats of paint so you can't open the window in the bathroom no cell phones okay he takes the skeleton key, locks me in the bathroom, starts screaming obscenities. After 45 minutes, he opens the door, grabs me, shakes me like a beach towel, throws me across the room, 
onto the bed, jumps on top of me like he's going to rape me. I kick, I bit, I scratched, I yelled. The landlady who owned the house was deaf and legally blind, so she didn't hear anything. And I picked up the phone to dial on a rotary dial zero for the police. Um, he didn't want uh, a record on, you know, he didn't want a police uh, report at all. On acid. Right. Put the phone down. I called my mentor, who was one of my professors at Pacific Oaks College. She said, I'm getting the guest room ready. Get over here as fast as you can. Wow. And she had him as a pupil so she in her class, so she knew how volatile he could be. So I packed up everything, I left, and that was it. And he tried to get back with me and apologize, and I went, nope, I'm done. And that was another God story about how she rescued me. I mean, she was like a second mother to me. Mm. And she, when she died, it was... I was just so sad, but, wow. and then when I went to a psychic once, the psychic oh. said, oh. Oh. he said, they said this to me, his job was to get you to California. That oh. was his purpose in your life, because in those days I was so young, you know, my mother had agoraphobia, so we didn't travel a lot. <laughs> wow that's interesting that you could so, see that he had a purpose yeah he did yeah. have a purpose so it was very clear and um he divorced his first wife um and then i think he divorced his second wife i think he's now on his third wife and it's like thank god he was out of my life after that unbelievable so that's wow. another god story now here's another god story my parents didn't like him, okay? <laughs> yeah. He came to visit during the summer of, I think it was 68, whatever it was. My mother took me aside and said, he's not for you. I don't like him. I said, he's charismatic. She said, he's a phony. <laughs> wow. So um, she warned me and I was 18 and I wasn't listening. And sure enough, he proved himself with the bathroom incident, locking me and then throwing me across the room. So she knew my mother was a better therapist than I was, and I'm good, and I love my job. And my mother just knew like this with her intuition. Mm -hmm. So, um, but let me just explain something. So they didn't like him. So I didn't tell them that I was going to see him over the summer. So I made up I made up the story that I was and I was visiting a friend in Cincinnati. So it was student standby days. I don't know if you remember student standby on the airlines, but you could get a student standby ticket. And if they had a free seat on the thing, you could go for like nothing. So this was a plane from Cincinnati to Nashville, from Nashville to Memphis, from Memphis to Dallas. And he was waiting for me in Dallas because he had to visit his uncle with his father and they, the uncle lived in, in Dallas. So here I am on this plane and I leave Cincinnati and I get to Nashville, all is well. I go from Nashville to Memphis and all of a sudden one of the airline uh, flight attendants comes up and says, 
I'm sorry, but the plane is booked and you have to get off in Memphis. Who did I know in Memphis? Elvis. <laughs> Great one. The only person I knew in Memphis was Elvis Presley. I didn't know him personally. Oh. What am I going to do? Elvis, hi, I'm a fan. <laughs> so I go up to the ticket agent and they had to switch airlines because this was student standby and I was supposed to switch planes. This I had no credit cards and no cash on me. This is how brave I was in those days. And I'm crying to the Braniff airline ticket agent because I needed $8 to get from Memphis to Dallas. That's what I needed to make up the difference from the ticket that I had bought. Mm -hmm. And I'm sobbing. And all of a sudden I hear this booming voice come over my right ear with a credit card to Braniff, because it was only $8, that's all I needed. Put, put the little lady's tab on mine. <laughs> Just like that. I turned around, I said, oh, thank you so much. I'll pay you back. What's your name? What's your address? I'll send you the money as soon as I get to Dallas. He says, gives me his name, he says, Dallas Bank Building, Dallas, Texas. And in those days, I don't even think we had zip codes. <laughs> no days when I was young, we didn't even have zip codes. So that was another God story. I mean, how in, in heaven's name does somebody come and say, put the little lady's tab on mine and pay oh. There you wow. go. Well, of course, everything in life is a, a labyrinth of uh, turns. I always think if I hadn't turned that corner that day or been dumped by that rock star, believing that I was pining for him, and I had to, I lost my home in Bel Air, <laughs> or I actually sold it at a, at a loss because I was an idiot, and I moved to this other place, and I walked into a bar on a cold day to get a hot tea and I ran into Mark Swope who introduced me to the father of my child. I wouldn't have had sobriety or that child that I wouldn't trade the world for. Right. It's so oh, I, And I love the story of you getting the, the part on Too Close for Comfort. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your agent called, your agent called and said, you know, you better get over there and your car breaks down and it's pouring rain and I'm on a bus. You're on a bus and you late. get there and you run in and you're drenched like a drowned rat and you nailed it. You just nailed the audition. Only because of a mistake. That's because right. I didn't know what a raspberry was. Right. Said, are you that stupid? What planet are you from? And I think I said, Texas? <laughs> I don't know what a raspberry is. Let's hire her. She's so stupid. No, no. I mean, I had to play a dumb blonde. She was the ditzy blonde on the on the sitcom. Exactly. And it worked out perfectly. Exactly. Perfectly. Well, that's our motto. Every mistake and every bad thing. It's a blessing in disguise. Is a silver okay. lining and has is a, is a, is a gift in disguise. Although, okay. it's hard to see the gift right now with these gun violence and these terrible yes. shootings, and this kid. It looked like a kid who just, this kid, this last shooting in Highland Park, Chicago, Illinois, it felt as if he had spent his whole life on the internet with no friends, a loner, just, just totally immersed in video games. 
and violence and, and too much social media and there's something going on with people. We're not finding, if we pour love on a problem, if you just, if you love, if you send love out to the universe, if you love your enemy, if you love your neighbor, if you, if you constantly reflect love back to people, it softens the atmosphere. Even in, in traffic, if you're driving and you're not frantic and you relax a little and you let people feel like there's a space between cars, it, there's a relax. We have to make people feel this is a gentle universe. How do you do that with a toxic boss or somebody you hate? What do you, what's the first step to overcoming anger to, the, to, to make you want to kill? Right. One of the things that people have said to me about this book, and I've had people send me emails, call me, text me, whatever. This book changed my life. One woman said, if it wasn't for your book and my therapist, I would have killed myself. What's in that book? What is the key? And this, is, this is what I want to say. Okay. The book is four parts. Very easy. Okay. First part is what is a toxic workplace and are you in one? And there is a questionnaire of, I believe it's uh, about 25 questions. And even if you answer yes to one of the 25 questions, you're in a toxic workplace. And I've had people say, my God, I answered yes to 20 out of 25. Well, you're in a toxic workplace. The second chapter or the second part rather is about communication skills, assertiveness training, um, how to approach a, a person, okay? And one of the techniques in the, the book is called the sandwich. You start out with a compliment, go to the feedback, I don't call it criticism, and you end positively, sometimes with an ultimatum. So you have to do all three. Jim, we really like having you on the team and you're an important part of uh, our team here. And not but, because but negates and makes everything you say true. And we've had a complaint from a couple of women that um, you're coming on to them and making comments about their bodies and things like that. That's really not appropriate here. And we don't have that kind of a workplace. So what we'd like is for you to stop that kind of languaging. And if you don't, we'll be reported for that. Um, and we may even have to report you even as I'm speaking. Uh, and you've got to respect women and stop coming on to them at work. It's sexual harassment, it is illegal, it's state law, it's federal law, and we don't wanna get sued and we don't want you to get sued or lose your job. Everything else that you do here is good, your reports are good, and if you don't stop it, you will be fired. So because we don't want that to happen, please stop. Do we have your agreement? So I didn't yell, I didn't, make you know nasty remarks or call him names or anything. I just put out what the situation was and what his options are. So he can stop it, keep his job, or if he keeps it up, he will be fired. So communication is about saying how you feel and what you would like done. And if you have to add an ultimatum to that, you have to add it if you're the manager and even if you're not, you can say, 
if you don't stop this, I'm going to your boss. And I'm also going to go to your boss's boss. And I'm going to go to HR. And a lot of times it works. And sometimes it doesn't work. If the company is that toxic, sometimes if you get media coverage and go to the media and they talk about it, you know, in front of the world, hey, they scramble really fast to either get rid of that person or put them in retraining or transfer them to another division or whatever. So the book is about how to talk to people. And part three is like 80 different types of people and how to approach them. Oh. So I had an acronym called SESSIONS, S-E-S-S-I-O-N. And it stands for Situation, Explanation, and Solution for Solving uh, Nuisances uh, in the Network or something like that. It was you know, a clever little acronym. So that's what you have to do. And each one, there, I have 12 different categories of toxic people from the sexual harassers to the uh, work interrupters, you know, people who always interrupt and you're on a deadline and you can't talk to them to uh, the addicts. You can have cokeheads, potheads, alcoholics at work. How do you deal with them? All different categories. So 12 different categories into situation, explanation, solution. And in the solution, I put it in italics and it's like a script that you can read and you can tailor make that script for your own personal situation. Find the toxic person that you need to target, memorize those lines or have a little crib sheet or whatever you wanna do and read that to them and that will get you some solutions about what to do. And if that doesn't work, then you go to the boss, you go to the boss's boss, you go to everybody in the chain of command and you have to get a paper trail going. So mm -hmm. put it in emails, CC everybody who's in the, the chain of command. So you are covered. So they can't say, well, you didn't report it. Well, you never said anything to us. You know, why did you let this go? Obviously he's saying it never happened. When you put it in writing, and you CC it to people, you are on notice. They are on notice. So that's part of it. Then the, the last part is if all of those things that I talked about in the three previous parts don't work, what are your options? And like I said, you can get other people in the business and have a class action suit. If everybody is dealing with this toxicity or racism or sexism or ethnicism or whatever or just ego uh, egotists oh absolutely and go to go to the media uh go up the chain of command what are your options work for yourself go to another division if you like what you're doing just find another division go to yeah. another company start your own business whatever so, let me ask let me ask a question linda really ahead. quick because this situation i mean you're just you're just ringing so many bells for not only myself but for other people i've been talking to so you're in a situation like that you're the employee and the boss is the person that is toxic right okay? not the employee but the boss right 
And so now you have an opportunity to take a different job for a 50% pay cut. Now you look at that and you're kind of like, well, the, what's worse? The 50% pay cut, the toxic boss, you know? Okay. Well, one of the things that I, I have people do, and this is the other reason why Phil Jackson has 11 NBA rings. He does visualization. He does visualization with his teammates. So Phil Jackson doesn't even have enough fingers for the 11 NBA rings. Mm -hmm. So what he did with, and it, it also helps to have Mike, Michael Jordan and yeah. Shaquille O'Neal and Scottie Pippen and everybody, Kobe Bryant. Yeah, it helps. But the visualization is this. See yourself making the shot. See yourself making the three-pointer. See yourself making the, the sky hook. See yourself making the slam dunk. See yourself rebounding. See yourself blocking the opponent's shot. See it like a movie in your mind. So one of the things when it comes to those kind of solutions, I have people visualize that they don't have the pay cut. They find the exact job they want. Why settle for less? Now, start your own business. I started out with my own business and I went to uh, banks to ask for a starter loan. I never, got a, I never got a starter loan from any bank. And men who had more debt than I did from college got business loans to start their own practice. That's a true story, okay? So you're consistent, you're different than a lot of people. Yeah. And I also believe that God is looking out for me and that the best publisher, the best situation, the best job, hmm. whatever is going to come to me. Yeah. So a lot of people still have been abused as kids. They have victim scripts. They have martyr scripts. They don't deserve it. They do self-interest behavior. They cut themselves. They sabotage their themselves. They don't think positively and they don't treat themselves well. And imagine like you had a magic wand. And I watched a lot of Walt Disney when I was younger. So I believe in magic wands. And I, I say that to them. Make I a the magic wand. How do you want it to be? You don't want to take a 50% pay cut. You want the perfect job with your skills, doing what you love to do. And there you go. I work harder working for myself than I ever worked for a boss. And I don't have anybody coming on to me, putting me down, making fun of me, insulting <laughs> me, trying to get in my pants. And I put in, you know, easily 50, sometimes to 80 hours a week. But wow. it's not work because this is what Mark Twain said. Find a job you love. You'll never work a day in your life. Right. right. That's awesome. And, and you, that's believe that, you believe that God has designed all of that just for you. I say, if this is what you want for me, this is what I'd like to do. If you think this is in my best interest, guide me and give me signs duh, that I can recognize. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How many times God is giving you signs? You know, <laughs> oh, or is anybody home? Yeah, and I'm oh, always saying, sure. help me recognize the signs. So actually, a, a closed door is a sign. And I had a, I, I got this terrible breakup, and I was crying and I'm grieving for six months, trying to hold on to this guy by the boots where he was dragging his foot out the door, and I'm dragging on the floor behind him, and Let it I go. just. 
thank God I we didn't get back together because I met the one right after that. It was like. Right. But as soon as you let toxicity out of your life, the universe doesn't like a vacuum. So if you pray and turn it over and visualize and make your wish list and post your vision board or whatever you want to do, okay, it will be fulfilled. Yeah. But if you sabotage it, don't think you're worth it. Don't think you deserve the best. Mm -hmm. Then it doesn't happen. So right. you have to watch out for your own self-sabotage. Because whatever we focus on grows. Our uh -huh. thoughts are reality. That's you know, right. if you find it right now, if I see the worst scenario, that stays stuck in the loop of my actual reality. My reality is what I think about all day long. Right. When I put my eyes on the higher thoughts of love and unselfishness. I've come up with this now. I let go of a lot of the greedy, fear-based ambition I had. I was so desperate to be re-famous again for my own great writing. You know, I have this big ego attached to this writing. And I let go of it the past couple of years and I felt like a lighter spirit around me. And I suddenly realized that the big purpose of life is to grow a good soul. And it, how do you grow a soul, a good, how do you become a good person out of tragedy and chaos? It's become, becoming less selfish, less self-centered. And then the work became more helpful to others. Exactly. And when you can help others, your true purpose comes. That's right. And that's and how God is teaching you. Tough lesson. Look, it's you were on Curb Your Enthusiasm, okay? Yeah. One of the first pictures on the, the box set for Larry's Curb Your Enthusiasm show on DVDs, do you remember yeah. it? The glass half empty or half full? Oh, yeah. Same amount of water. That's right. Either you see it half full. Yeah, I still have half to go and I've got good stuff here and whatever. Or, oh, you're Eeyore, you know, from Winnie the Pooh. Oh, it's never going to happen. Oh, you know, don't even try. Nothing good happens. And your glass is, glass is half empty. But if you see your glass half full, then you've got something to work with. So it's about your attitude, your mental and emotional attitude. But how do you lift yourself out of depression if you're so dark and down? There are okay. people that are suicidal right now, and I want to help them. I feel, I, I feel so much love for younger people, especially that didn't have... I wish they, they could all grow up without cell phones and social media because we had a real life where we... I did a lot of hard things, and I'm thinking, they're kvetching over not being able to get on an internet or... or, or, or right. There are a lot of really hard problems today, but still the problems are different. Right. Go, go to a third world country and tell me how it is after you visit for a year. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. So it's gratitude, right? A gratitude list? It's absolutely gratitude. And here's the other thing. You talked about depression. When I have a client who's depressed, okay, I, I remind them that there are layers, emotional layers. If you remember studying drilling for oil and you had that drilling for oil chart i think it was in the first grade where you have all the different strata and where the oil is down at the bottom okay so you have depression underneath depression is sadness and under sadness and depression is always anger so anger can help people work as a motivator, and I'm talking about safe expressions of anger, okay, 
go to the gym, work it out, okay? Sit down at your computer, write a letter to somebody you're angry at, get it out of your system. As I said before, cry. Tears of joy are chemically different than tears of sorrow. Get the neurotransmitters out of your system that cause more depression, okay? So anger helps to dispel depression and sadness, okay? but you have to, you know, use it constructively because anger can be a great motivator because anger is energy, okay? So take the energy, and I say this to teenagers, adults, whatever, take the energy and map out your plan. What do you want to do? What do you see at the end of the rainbow? Okay. What do you see there? Well, I always saw myself working for myself. So that's what I said. I put up with sex harassment. I put up with from professors, advisors, bosses, all the rest. And I just kept my eye on the prize. Mm -hmm. So I wanted my own degree. I wanted my PhD. I wanted to have enough power to help people and make um, good, helpful decisions with them so that, you know, I wouldn't have to say, oh, I just have my bachelor's degree. Well, when you have your PhD, you can help people. You can get on, you know, different boards and, and get them into a mental hospital if they need that or talk to physicians, get them on some kind of medication. I haven't had an aspirin since 1992 so i am a holistic organic vegetarian and you could sit there with a steak and i wouldn't bat an eye i'm not that kind of you know you have to not eat well it doesn't matter i work with athletes i work with guys in the nba and nfl and big athletes with big muscles they need meat i don't care eat meat so just keep your eye on the prize and break it down into workable, digestible bites and baby steps. Because you're going to get to the goal, even if you take a lot of baby steps, it's going to take you a little longer, but you're still going to get to the goal. And some people feel like totally overwhelmed. It's like climbing Mount Everest to them. It's too much. But if you take it in small, digestible bites, it's a lot easier. What's that um, Pennsylvania Dutch saying? Um, Life is hard, yard by yard. Life's a cinch, inch by inch. That's it. One day at a time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let me tell you another God shot here. When I was uh, trying to get my own show, uh, PBS wants me to do... um, a show based on my book called Surviving the Toxic Workplace with Dr. Linda DeRay. But because PBS's funding has gotten cut off, you have to come up with your own underwriters. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they don't call them sponsors, they call them underwriters. So I went out and I just submitted to all these Fortune 500 companies and we got no, 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 no. Because they knew that they their own company was guilty of being a toxic workplace and <laughs> women being sexually harassed and all that stuff. Yeah. So here was the, the light. I got, um, I submitted to Johnson and Johnson. 
okay? Because their national headquarters in New Brunswick, New Jersey was next to, practically next door to where I grew up in Metuchen, New Jersey. So there were three women in charge of the three departments that I was looking for, advertising, marketing, and HR. Three women. Now, where would you get three women at a major Fortune 500 company like Johnson & Johnson? They loved the book. They loved my video clips from my sizzle reel. They loved everything about it. They're getting ready to seal the deal, sign the contract, write the check. And one of them gets a, a big giant offer, like twice her six-figure salary at another corporation. So she leaves. Another one goes off on pregnancy leave and another one gets a lateral move in Johnson & Johnson, but to another division. I was broken hearted. Oh God, I was so bummed, depressed. I cried. Oh, well, flash forward. Guess who gets accused in the oxycodone crisis for aiding and abetting uh, drug dependency, Johnson and Johnson. Now, here's how God was watching out for me. Yeah. How do you have a book called Surviving the Toxic Workplace with Dr. Linda DeRay, underwritten by a company who continues to make toxic products to keep people hooked on drugs? Yeah. I mean, wow. I. I just look at that now and I go, oh, God was watching out for me. Oh, thank, <laughs> you God. thank you, God. Thank you. It was a near miss. Yeah. Thank, thanks, heaven. It's like, you know, when people miss a plane and the, the plane crashes. Um, so many people, I remember the PSA crash because a friend of mine um, who I was dating was a reporter for the San Diego Union and Tribune. And one guy told the story in the report that he was supposed to be on that plane and he was late getting there and they had given his seat away and he begged to be on that plane and they said no. So he's sitting at the bar having a drink and you know, it's a 30, a 30 minute hop from LA to San Diego. Mm. He would have been dead. That was a wake up call to that guy. Let me tell you. But then people always ask this question. Why do, bad things happen to good people. There's that book written by the rabbi. Right. It's for learning. It's learning. I think it's a, we're in school here. And I don't believe after the experiences I've had of seeing people come in the afterlife, I swear I've had many of those as well. I really don't believe there's death. I think we energy, all energy transforms, as Einstein said. Right. But that's another whole topic for another day. But we're here to learn. And I remember hearing about a woman in a, in a terrorist incident and there was a bomb that went off and she, her head hit the tarmac. She was in the bomb, she was bombed. And she had a near death experience where she felt completely lifted up like she was on a bed of clouds. There was no pain at the most horrible moment of her life when her head cracked open. She came back from that, but she said, there's no pain. It's really interesting. I was transformed. I was swept up into a sort of a beautiful space. So we don't know what our brain either it's our brain or it's god if it's odd it's god i think well the way i look at it um i studied with a tibetan mystic for 30 years wow and he has since passed over 
And he wasn't like the ponytail and the saffron robes and the finger symbols. This guy was a captain, or no, he was a major in the military and he was up for a promotion to captain. So he was a lifer in the military and he had a total spiritual experience and literally ended up in Tibet studying at a lamasery for six years. And one of the things that he said about why do bad things happen to good people, he said, this is a planet of four energies. And whether it looks like it or not, this is a very advanced planet because of four different energies. There's mental energy, which is your thoughts. There's emotional energy, which is your emotions, anger, sadness, fear, etc. There's physical energy. We have bodies, there's cars, tables, houses, whatever. And there's spiritual energy. Mm-hmm. Plus, this planet Earth is a planet of change. Every day is different. Yeah. And it's a planet of polarity. So there's male, female, Republican, Democrat, liberal, dark light. It's right, dark light, good and evil. And it's the interchange and interplay of energies and opposites and the polarity. And one of my favorites, favorite lines was from George Bernard Shaw, who said, I know there's life on other planets because this one is the insane asylum. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like that. It looks like that a lot. But this is a graduate school in terms of the universe, the infinite, incredible universe. This is a graduate school because of those four energies. I call God infinite love. Yeah. Infinite love, infinite gentle care, redeeming all the time. You make a mistake, you're redeemed. If you turn in the right direction, turn away from that mistake, you don't have to go through a million, you know, uh, ritualistic prayers. You simply walk in the other direction toward the light. You know, you turn away from your mistake. You, 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 and you learn from it. You learn from it. Learn from it and you forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. And if you were talking about near-death experiences, there are so many books written by people who have had near-death experience. Mm -hmm. And there are books that are a compilation of an anthology of people who have had near-death experiences. They're very similar. There's, you know, call it your soul, your spirit, whatever. It sort of lifts out of your body, looks down, like people who have had operations, they hear everything that was going on in the operating room or people who had accidents. You know, they heard everything that the EMTs were saying. Yeah. Well, how did you know that? You were unconscious. Uh, well, I heard it, you know. Well, listen I've- to this. Right. My mother died a year ago, a year and a few months ago, April 2021. She died with a horrified look on her face. She was very, she had dementia and she was we couldn't get her to swallow at the end and and she was finally time for her to go and then during the night after her after death the most beautiful smile developed we have photographs of her at such blissful peace i've never seen that look of peace on her face before and it's as if she saw my brother her her her, her husband you know all her the people before and larry's mother same thing she looked up at the moment of death and said oh they're here <laughs> 
family here to was escort here. me. Here awesome. to escort me. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. We don't yeah. know. Well, ladies, I'm going to have to exit in about five minutes. I just wanted to let you know because I have another commitment that I have to drive to. Oh, okay, so I, I apologize for that. You can carry on. I um, I did want to say to you, Linda, it's been a pleasure. Um, well, and if you buy a copy of my book, I will autograph it when I come out. I'll yeah. send you a copy, Darlene. That's awesome. Yay. But did you say you're in Orlando, Florida? Yes, that, I am. Are you coming to Orlando? There is, I have a university that I work for that's in Orlando. Yes. Which one? South University. It's, Where is um, we have 10 different universities, ground campuses, and one big online division. So, wow. yeah, yeah. So it's, so we have a campus in the Orlando area. Mm -hmm. Well, you have to have, you have to schedule it because now you have to. I would love to. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to come and visit you. That would be really awesome. Great, yeah. Fabulous. Great. So very, very, very interesting. Great bio. I mean, such history and such joy just to share these God shots in and to enrich our program and just one more time here that it's so real. Well, you were saying, how did you do all those things? Part of it is my intention. My intention is clear about what I wanna do and accomplish. So that's part of the problem yeah. or solution really, part of the solution. Here's the other thing. I don't have children in this lifetime and the Tibetan mystic that I studied with told me, and so did another person, that I had six children <laughs> before I was 30 years old in one of my past lives. That's why you don't have any. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> and I love working with kids and I'm a child therapist and I've taught nursery school, kindergarten, first grade, love it, love it, love it. Didn't want to live on $10,000 a year. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what? And I love my children and my grandchildren. They bring me the most joy and happiness in my life. Truly they do. And that's but, what choice is all about. But you know what? When, but when you have that, it's also a responsibility. I think it's a God-given responsibility for every day that, that, that you're on earth. You know, it, it just never, never ends. So um, yeah. Well, what a great show. Thank you, Darlene. Have a safe trip to your next appointment. And Thank Thank we'll you. all get together in Winter Park where, where Linda lives. Maybe we'll all visit you down there. Oh, that'd be fabulous. That would be really nice. And Lydia, as always, it's so wonderful to see you and to see our to see the people that are watching live on Facebook. Thank you so much for joining in again. We've been off for a couple of weeks, but we're oh, back. We're going to have Linda back. We should have you back once a month or, you know, every six weeks to. to I love it. it. Yeah. I would love it. Pick your brain forever. Thank you so I much for a great show. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. See love ya. You. Thank you for having me. It's been a joy. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.